Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Slate House Property Management. Slate House manages over 3,500 units across the Mid-Atlantic, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Property management is sure not the sexiest industry, but what makes Slighthouse unique is it was founded by investors and engineers. Slighthouse has built or licensed over 12 different technologies to improve returns for investors and make better living experiences for tenants. Full-time maintenance guys help work get done quicker at a reasonable price. Slighthouse manages properties for many of the guests on this show and has helped them scale their business while they focus on acquiring properties. For more information, go to slatehousegroup.com, call 717-413-6976, or email service at slatehousegroup.com. Look forward to talking to you. What's up, guys? I'm pumped. We got uh, Dan Butler here with Coruscant Assist. Uh, I'm pumped. This is gonna be a really fun conversation here. Dan has a uh, just a wait till we get into it, a staggering um, business and different businesses he's run. I think you'll just learn a ton from. So let's get into it, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad cool. to be here. So uh, let's kind of start just to kind of give folks a background of kind of who you are. So you um, started in 2001 in mm -hmm. Tennessee. Correct. Yeah. Moved there from South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. For All manufacturing. Right. So. And uh, was the dream always real estate? You know, um, it actually goes back to high school and I had a mentor, a um, friend of mine that I would drive around and help him, you know, older, you know, gentleman, uh, help him. I was the grunt guy and helped him cut the grass or board up windows or whatever it was middle of the night, you know, fixing stuff. So, yeah. um, it's through those driving around town, fixing stuff with him that I just kind of learned what wealth creation was. So in the back of my mind, I'm getting my engineering degree at Clemson university. And I just knew I wanted to do real estate some way, somehow at some point. Okay. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. So it was always in the back of my mind as I went through school. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I love, I mean, as folks who listen to this podcast will know, I, uh, I love the engineer turned real estate yeah. entrepreneur. Um, I definitely, obviously I, I came from that world. And yeah. so I'm uh, uh, definitely have a favorite towards that way of thinking. But I, I think the reason why I like it so much is I think it's the future of where this industry is going. Mm. Uh, I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts on that too. Um, you know, someone with a kind of tech minded or systems uh, approach um, as opposed to the guy who grew up hammering nails. I right, guess. right, right. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely, 
definitely seen more of that, especially since, even since I started in real estate in 2001, when most people you'd meet was, you know, a red and white for rent sign. And, right. you know, that's all they did on Craigslist or, you know, right. Craigslist was just kind of starting back then. But yeah. um, just to seeing it evolve to keyless entry to, you know, portals for uh, owner statements and work orders and yeah, yeah, it's just, totally. just the technology that we've evolved to. And we, we truly believe, to your point, our comp- core, you know, collective of companies is really pushing hard to um, be on the forefront of that technology because that's the only way you're going to scale efficiently. That's what we've really kind of realized. Yeah. I mean, I like you're definitely speaking to um, beliefs I, I hold near and dear. So, so, uh, so you get into real estate investing um, in Tennessee. You start off doing buy and hold investing. Correct. Is that right? Your own that's right. Investing. Yep. Thought I was going to be there a year and a half. Um, start buying real estate back right before I got married. Kind of set the tone for uh, <laughs> what it was going to be like. I got a lot of stories to share about that. But um, yeah, just I, I wanted to be a buy and hold investor. And, and I did not know when we moved to Memphis, Tennessee for manufacturing that that I was in one of the top 10 cities in the country for what we call price to rent ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you tell somebody in Philly where we are today, the prices that we pay and the rents we get, and they just look at me like, deer in a headlight because it's just a different ball game. Yeah. So give, give me an example of maybe like what an average place would go for. Yeah. So, rent. you know, call it a $50,000 house, you know, eight or $900 rent. Yeah. You know, right. whereas that's, right. that's a $500 rent fill it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're a hundred thousand dollar property, hundred thousand dollar property, get that same. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. Um, and, and that, and that would be like a B class. Kind of a property, C plus? B minus, C plus. Yeah, yeah B minus probably, yeah. C plus. Because the other yeah. problem is, um, you know, a $50,000 property around here, you know, in, in a place like Philly for sure, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking C minus, D plus for sure. Right. With a whole bunch of other problems that come along right. with it. Yeah, um, neighborhoods and... So, yep. so, I mean, the other interesting part about kind of where you started with on the, on the investing side is a lower entry point to get in. Yes. To, to buy a home. That's right. Uh, you know, because, I mean, I moved there. I was 24, 25 years old. I didn't have any money. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I was fortunate to buy a little townhouse, and that's how I created a home equity line to actually buy properties. But that's, that was kind of the, the, the catalyst. But, um, but yeah, I could not have, I mean, I could not have gotten, just gotten started. In my mind, it would have been a much different journey to, to scale in not being in Memphis, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So, so you start buying like single family homes. Is that what it was? Well, actually I started out small apartments, uh, okay. 16 unit, 19 unit. Um, then I went to duplexes and then I realized within the first two years, like I had no more money, you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> yeah. apartments and duplexes are typically sold on what, you know, cap rates, you know, and, and so there's not much equity left. And that's when a kind of light bulb moment for me to, I, I need to make that switch yep. and maybe come back to multifamily and duplex at some point in my career. But yep. I really needed the single family to be able to buy it, fix it, the burst strategy yeah. that you always hear about in bigger pockets, totally. just buy rehab, refinance, repeat, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what you were doing. You were that, doing the burst strategy. I was doing the burst strategy before I knew that was an acronym. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you were refining out of these and then doing it again, basically. Yes. Just leapfrogging. Buy, I would buy two at a time, you know, buy one. Uh, start buying the second one, fix up the first, take it to the bank. And I really, I used local banks. That was kind of my my thing back then was just every local bank in town knew me, yeah. um, which is a blessing to, to now, fast forward this many years later. And it's, I think I harped on it when, you know, we were at the Mid-Atlantic uh, Conference a couple months ago. Like, 
that's where the relationships got to be established for scale. Yeah. You know, to get those local banks to see you eye to eye, get, get, see your properties, yeah, I mean, see totally you do the right you. thing. You know, that five C's of credit, the character is, is the biggest piece. Yeah. So that, that long term that's going to play out for you. That's great. Now, were they nervous though? I mean, you're going pretty aggressive, pretty <laughs> fast. Well, a little trick there, uh, you know, I, I would, I had four or five banks going at one time and I would just come to each bank probably every six months. And so, That's so smart. So by the time they saw me, they go, oh, you got another one for us. And, you know, I'd already done another five behind that. So I wasn't lying or anything. Like, they would come out in the, the yeah, rent yeah, roll yeah. and the tax return yeah, no, for the next. I, but I, I want to pause you there. You, you're smarter than how I started. So when I started, uh, we started, Nate and I started investing. We thought, or at least I did, I thought, you know, let's double down with one relationship. Mm-hmm, you know, because that's mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. I mean, most things in the world you know, actually having one relationship, you're going to get economies of scale. That's right. right. You're going to get better pricing. You're going to get better relationships, better service. Yep. Yep. So I said, look, our, you know, our bank is going to be at the time. The first one we worked with was this bank called Miners Bank, um, which, which tells you about all you need to know. Super small. Super small. Town. I mean, yeah. Small town. Small but town. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, they were the first one. We started investing in 2010. Yeah, not a lot. Of, not a lot of banks were super interested in working with new folks. And no. they, they got to know us and they said, well, you know, we'll work with you. We did a deal. And it was great. And then so we did, you know, a couple months later, did another deal, a couple months later, another deal. And I think like six months in, they tapped out. Like, they, well, the, the guy was like, getting nervous. You know, big eyed yeah. and, and said, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. They're getting nervous. So, so I, I, I love your approach, which is um, super smart and, and really important for our audience to hear this, which is actually not double early on, not yep. doubling down with one bank and really yep. going across different folks. Yeah. I wish I had it in front of me. Of course, this is not a video, but. I, I literally sitting in the notebook with me is my list of banks I carry with me at all times. And it's probably at least 20 different banks. Unbelievable. So just, and, and I try to touch base with them at least once a month, once every two months and just what's going on. What are you looking for? You know, trying to help them, not just looking get, for me. Referrals. Probably. Referrals. Yeah. yeah what kind of business are you wanting a commercial? You want multifamily? You just need deposits. What is, what is it you're needing right now? And I try to keep that in my back of my mind as I meet people to, to refer them over because you know you want win-win relationships that's yeah. what it's all about and so. have you seen i'm sure you have as you've deepened the relationships with these banks have you seen your rates go you know get more favorable to you or fees get more yeah terms yeah, yeah for sure i mean rates they got some leeway but definitely points and you know the the cost that they try to plug in there right. you know they and definitely, also i guess just service right i mean yeah. the speed of getting things turned around that's matters. right yeah. that's right yeah you want yeah, I mean, and you kind of learn, you know, uh, the banks and their culture, who the board is. You know, you, you want to know, you really want to understand that bank because if the bank is made up a bunch of farmers, they're probably not going to want to do rental properties. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're just not understand. They like raw land. You know, they can understand development and that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. you got to understand who, who makes who up makes. that that bank, who why it was created and what they're doing. That, that will tell you. So that's why we have multiple banks. So... This bank wants multifamily. Well, this bank doesn't, or you know, vice versa. So super smart, super smart. Um, okay, so then you start acquiring these properties really quick. Yeah, you're self managing. I am self managing. Yeah. Yep, for years. Yep, and and then decided, and I mean, we're like kindred spirits. You're you're way smarter than than we are. But uh, you say, look, if we're going to go scale this thing. Let's build a prime management company. Basically, yeah. So back up a little bit. Uh, met my business partner uh, back in oh three oh four. We moved in the same neighborhood. Wives knew each other. He's from Dallas. He was a transplant. Just started running together. Yeah. And so this is a pretty cool part of our story. Like 
back in we've been running for 15 years rain snow sleet like, does like physically, physically running, running. Okay. five miles tuesday I'm thursday so oh, cool I, I, yeah I, uh, so you get it so yeah, totally. we learned how to hold each other accountable how to be flexible with each other learned our habits and um i started teaching you know showing him what i was doing then he started doing it and then we realized he's a cpa cfa accounting and i'm an engineer so like that one plus one was three for us and so on a run literally back in probably 09 2010 somewhere that we're like you know what if we're going to scale and really make something of this we really need to create a property management company because back then i was you know doing leasing i was doing maintenance yeah. i was doing doing everything yeah, and he was doing all the back end all the paperwork and signing leases and collecting rent and that kind of stuff and so we just knew that wasn't what we wanted to be doing long term and so we saw an opportunity some an, another neighbor uh when the crash happened needed some help with property management and so we just took uh, a chance and started literally we were running it out of excel and quickbooks back then <laughs> if you can imagine so i can't imagine i uh we were lucky enough. Our day one, we used Appfolio. Yeah. Um. I don't know what you guys use. Propertyware. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, you know, it's similar. Pick um, your poison. But uh, I yeah right. <laughs> but I uh, I can't. I mean, our life is so complicated. I cannot imagine running it out of Excel and uh, QuickBooks. No, I mean, it, it honestly makes my heart beat fast. So I don't know the date. It was in May of thir- thirteen, I believe, it, or twelve. But my business partner can tell you the exact time <laughs> and the date that we switched over to a, a property management software because we were just him specifically, you know, pulling his hair out, just trying to get checks, you know. Yeah, just so much, just, so much, just so much accounting. Yeah, so tricky. it was it was it was crazy. Um, cool. Which which is kind of like to your point when we were you know pre podcast talking, just that was kind of our first foray into like really figuring out automation and technology yep. and using you know leveraging whatever it was out there to help us scale and have, you know, that search of world-class, you know, performance. So. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you've seen a huge impact in tech over the last five, 10 years. Um, you talked about property where, um, you know, you're now managing 3000 units. Is there, is there a couple other pieces of tech evolution you've seen over the, over the way that been kind of revolutionary for you guys? Yeah, just the self-showing uh, was was huge. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in you know either automate, delegate, or eliminate, mm-hmm. and so we really play to that you know in all things that we do. So, which then kind of led into, um, and we started probably three years ago. We were like, man, it, speaking of technology, we started using uh, technology to uh, screen our applicants for for employees. Mm-hmm. You know, back then we would, oh, you've done collections before. Oh, you've done property management. Oh, come come join us. Well, sometimes that's not the right person in the right seat. And so we used a thing called Culture Index, which is a survey to, you know, uh, your core behaviors of who you, who, who you, how you were born. Mm-hmm. And so that's helped us uh, find the right people. And then we parlayed that into what, you know, our virtual assistant company, Core Assist, um, that, you know, allows us to use virtual employees to scale, to, to do all the administrative tasks, to take phone calls. I mean, we were talking about thousands of emails, thousands of, you know, you're, I mean, you're in it too. You're way bigger than us on the, on the unit count. And you know how many calls, emails, texts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Chaos. So it's chaos. It's, it's, contro- it's controlled chaos. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes that's right. I'm trying to figure out how to answer that right. But yeah, controlled chaos. So, um, cool. So, so, um, you guys have this large scale prime management company. And I, I guess somewhere along the way, you must have 
had a light bulb moment to say, hey, maybe it might make sense to have some of these tasks be done by people not in the United States. Yes. Yeah. What, yeah. what talk me through what what led to that revolution? Because that I mean that's a we had a similar jump, but it, I mean there's a lot of people who are very anti having employees outside the United States. Yeah. So the evolution was more. Um, you know, we had so many bills and so much paperwork, and we were trying to figure out how to cut costs. And we we uh, my business partner goes to a lot of conferences like he was at IMN this week propertyware um you know all those different conferences and we found a third party virtual assistant company where you just literally pay them by the hour and you send them invoices and miraculously they're in your software and entered as a bill and you come back the next morning and cut the checks to the vendors and that was probably 3 plus years ago okay and, and but we didn't know the people you know, it was just a service. Mm -hmm. And then we were in a mastermind group uh, about two years ago and met somebody else that had a virtual assistant company that actually would bring the people in to us and we got to know them. It was their employee, but it was it was working for us. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, Jane or Joe, uh, you know, whoever. Uh, we would actually know them. They were part of our team. Mm -hmm. uh, they were part of the, you know, group emails for culture and yeah, yeah. all that and, stuff. But typically um, living in, was there a it, certain country? Yeah, Philippines. You okay. know, for, for, I guess we started in India uh, and then moved to the Philippines. We've done a little bit in Mexico, but primarily 90 plus percent is, is out of the Philippines. Okay. So was there a reason why you chose Philippines? You know, we tried several different um, cultures and they're all, there's pluses and minuses for each. Um, but probably to just be flat out honest, that was the easiest. And just the English was really good. The the empathy was there. You know, when you're talking to tenants and those kind of things, like they had the the the, uh, the empathy to help talk a tenant through yeah. an issue or a client through an issue. Um, so that that was kind of the 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 reason why. Um, so yeah, that was the. And uh, that was originally a U.S. based role. That you then yes, said. outsourced to, yep. yeah. One thing that we found was, I mean, everybody thinks you go outsourcing to save money. One thing that I've found so far, and you can probably speak to this, mm -hmm. is our, uh, what's the right word? Our length of employment, mm -hmm. um, just overall retention, I guess is yeah. the right word. I mean, it is a I, I such a magnitude higher. It's not even you almost couldn't even calculate for your outsourced employees. Yeah, yeah. they just they just they're stay. loyal. Yeah, they just they're loyal, which which is great because it means they, you know, they're happy mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. happy people are usually better employees, and so they're happy and they're 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 staying much longer. They're actually we've had some of them. Um, so we we uh we have folks in Mexico, kind mm -hmm. of our country of choice. Um. But uh, we've had folks, you know, have their sisters and brothers mm -hmm. come join. I don't know if you've seen that too. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Friends uh, and. But that that was an unexpected benefit that has been potentially the best benefit for us because turnover is tough on a company. That's probably the hardest. I mean, we talk about it all the time, just in property management turnover. I mean, because once you get started on processes and getting the people to understand what you do and how you do it. And then, you know, they leave or you have to let them go or whatever. So to your point, I mean, the, the virtual side has definitely helped us have more consistency and allowed us to have more backups, if that makes sense, like cross training and backups to the backup. Whereas if somebody left, um, they would, um, 
we would just be stuck. So, but in the Philippines specifically, kind of like in Mexico, I believe, you know, those employees are very, um, very grateful for, for a job, very grateful for what we pay them. Um, and so that creates that loyalty and we try to really try to make sure, I mean, I think we're having a Christmas party for them. You know, we're not going to be able to go over there, but we're setting it up. They're going to meet together, all the people that are over there that can, and, uh, just, creating a, a culture of its own within our culture. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I want to take a, just a real short break here and we'll get right back with uh, Core Assist. Awesome stuff here. Welcome back. We um, So perfect timing here. I want to, uh, as we kind of talk about the story here, uh, now bring in Russell Alt, who is the COO of Core Assist. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for joining. Um, so, uh, as we kind of, you know, look, the virtual assistant concept for anyone in real estate, whether you're in property management, you're flipping, is I think a, a relatively new concept. Uh, maybe last, you know, even last couple of years, I've heard it more and more. Um, why don't you just kind of talk about why you guys felt so strongly about using a virtual assistant to kind of change your business? Well, I think the need was there. You know, like Dan had said earlier, we had been using a third party and, you know, about 50% of our needs were being met and the other 50% were just kind of getting lost. And then so we decided, hey, let's start meeting our needs and kind of building on that. And then as we were, you know, we noticed the need in the marketplace, which really is what led to CoreAssist actually being formed. And, and talk me through, like, what specifically, what are some of those needs that that you saw that, that were maybe uh, not met before, but were able to kind of, of course, this was able to help out with. Yeah. A couple of the biggest were just kind of personalized service and loyalty. You know, um, when we were using the third party, it was more of a transactional based relationship. And we just thought hey, we had the crazy idea. Hey, you know, what if this is actually a trans transformational relationship, a two way street instead of just, Hey, what can I get from you? And, uh, on the personalized service, it became you know less transactional and more consultative. And how can how can they actually help us grow our business? And there's nothing like that out there in the market. And then once we started kind of putting pen to paper and talking to other folks who actually needed that type of service, it just exploded. It's awesome. So um, let's just kind of get people's head around this. So a a core assist um, virtual assistant is actually an employee of the company they're working for usually, or how does that kind of work? So they're an employee of core assist, but we want, we bend over backwards and do everything that we can to make sure the client really feels that relationship, make sure that the uh, virtual assistant or, you know, as we call them RTM really feels like they're a part of that team. And is you it, know, is it one-to-one -one usually like, Jim Smith, the virtual assistant, is usually tied to one specific real estate company, or is it one yes. to many in that he's mm -hmm. going to be working with a couple different companies? So the way our model works is we we do it, it really runs the gamut. We can have one to one, and then as the team grows, then that team is assigned a coach, and then that coach is leads and directs manages, helps with SOPs, coaches, trains, is kind of the quality person for that client, for that company. And 
at that point, the client then interacts with the coach and with the team. Right. But, the, but the, the, the folks who are coming on board, they are dedicated to your company. Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. like they're working across five different companies taking in calls from... No, it's not. A, no. I mean, we hear the words call center. Yeah, you know, I hate that, that word. By yeah, the way. I can't stand that word either. It drives <laughs> me crazy. But that's not what we are. That's not what we do. That's not what we, we strive for. It's it's yeah. more of just uh, a relationship value creation for our clients. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, trying to take heavy burdens off those clients. Like kind of was explaining to our office earlier uh, offline of just, you know, having the people at the office in the States be more of your strategic pushing things forward, visionary type stuff and letting your, your, your virtual, we, we call them remote team members. And we did that on purpose instead of virtual assistant. Yeah. We want them to be team members yeah, of the awesome. company they're working with, not just because VA just, I feel like has a, a, a different connotation, you know, remote team member, they're part of your team. And so we want that to be, you know, um, what comes across, um, for our clients and, and having that coach behind them really helps as well. So we try to do, you know, eight to 10 employees, uh, per, uh, with one coach and that coach would work with say your company or somebody else's company to make sure that the employees are engaged, held accountable, learn your systems, all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. awesome. Um, what, uh, you know, for these employees who are in the Philippines, what is their, I mean, how, how do they feel about the American, like working with an American company? Do they like it? They are eternally grateful. They they love what they do. Um, you know, they're the kind of the epitome of what you would call an engaged employee. You know, they're they're grateful for the uh, work that they have. They're loyal. Um, it's it's really their culture. You know, to to do this type work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in in specifically in the Philippines. You know, Dana talked about earlier. You know, we've branched out into other areas, but specifically in the Philippines, they have, they have a culture of kind of, of care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what breeds loyalty is us taking care of them, which allows them to take care of other, other people. Mm-hmm. That's great. It, do you notice the, the, talk about maybe, maybe um, compare an employee in the Philippines versus maybe an employee in Tennessee. Um, are there, are, are there things maybe that people in the, in the Philippines maybe even do better or, or different that, that makes them a better fit for this kind of a role? I think we can both answer. Why don't you go, you got. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, the first answer to that question is they're absolutely comparable. You know, w- when we're talking to people out in the market, I think one of their number one fears is, you know, kind of getting a less than or, you know, um, an employee light maybe. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the people that we hire college educated, have years of training we have some doctors on staff we have some attorneys on staff and i mean these are people right right, that are you know frankly more educated than people we we may have locally yeah yeah that's great i mean talk about uh crushing a preconceived notion i mean i think so look we use remote team members it's been a phenomenal success for us um one thing i joke about is we sometimes won't tell people, even in, even internally, sometimes we won't introduce them as being remote. We'll say, hey, just go to, you know, George for this. And um, we've had people come to us at some of our holly meetings and say, so where's George? Like, right. he's been so great. Uh, and I'll be like, I, uh, he's he not going to make, make this yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then when I tell them, 
while he's actually in Mexico, they are like literally blown away. Um, I'm sure you guys see similar responses. Oh, absolutely. To that. We hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, but I also would say, I would also caution you get out of it what you put into it. Meaning, if, if, if you're just expecting, like, say, us or whoever you use to bring you a virtual employee and then they just start, you know, creating value, well, if you don't train them or you don't work with them to have the standard operating procedure put in place, they're just going to flounder. Right, right. You know, so the ones that I've seen successful actually take the time on the, which is, you know, I was talking to a guy earlier out in the, in the lobby, just, you know, if you take that time on the front end, it's going to pay 10 times dividends on the back end, if yeah. that makes sense, versus being frustrated, 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 and then just give up. That's what, that's what a lot of people, what that, what happens on the virtual assistant side, they just give up because they don't, they don't take the time and effort on the front end. So well said. I, I just, I, there's something that we talk about a lot, which is um, sometimes in, it's easy as an owner, I think of a company or anyone in real estate, when someone's not doing a good job to blame the person. And we normally, when we see someone not doing a good job, our first instinct is, is the system set up right? Are the, mm. proced- are the procedures right? Right. You know, and that sometimes the procedures weren't right. They weren't given the right mm-hmm. full set. Um, and actually, I think it's more often the case. That's more, yeah. Yeah, than actually the person not being the right fit. That's right. And, you know, I would say that that's another piece. That's that consultative piece I was talking about earlier. You know, some people just aren't gifted with, you know, writing SOPs or writing procedures, and, and that's okay. And that's where courses, the coach and the ops manager come in, and they, they sit down and they, you know, have a phone call or a video call and say, hey, you know, what's important to you out of this role what, what do you want to see? What does success look like? And then we, we walk alongside and help build those SOPs. I, I got a quick story to add on that, if you don't mind. Like our brokerage uses CoreSyst virtual employees. and These are real estate agents. Real estate agents, yeah, yeah that sell for investors. So mm-hmm. that's how we kind of feed our pipeline. They just deal with investors, buy mm-hmm. or sell. So we have virtual employees that help with transaction coordination. And they were ready to give up. They're like, man, we've tried this twice. You know, this is not working. I'm going to just hire somebody and, you know, $50,000 a year and bring them in here to the office. And, and I'm like, well, what's your training look like? And they're like, well, there, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't an answer. <laughs> and so we just threw out a, 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 a suggestion to take video, you know, video capture. I forgot the technology. You're, you're more techie than me, but Zoom or something like that. And just do the step-by-step yep. and spend eight hours on all the different things and click here and then you do this and then look for this. And, and then within a month they flipped. They're like, man, these things, this, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Like they're doing it all. They're handling it all. We're just having to deal with the exceptions. So it just, it just, again, part of getting out of it, what you put into it. So those videos alone was a, a key change. And now they want to keep growing with virtual employees. And they shared it with another sister company that needs a transaction coordinator. They shared those same videos, and he was like, "Man, this is great! Didn't have to start over. He's going to use them and and train his uh, you know virtual employee." So when people start, they watch a video, a pre pre recorded video. Correct. Yeah. You don't have to train. You know. Well, yeah, that's right. Over don't, and over. That's what they were frustrated. Like if, if that employee didn't work out, then I got to start over, and right, it's like, right, well, right. well, what are you doing? So then that's what that video is like. It's, as long as your process doesn't change. Yeah, that video is good for so as awesome. long as. So awesome! You guys are just uh, man. I mean, I hope I hope folks listening are as interested as I am here. I mean, I could ask on and on. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of hit on was: Are there certain things you see um, skills or not skills, uh, tasks that work really well with a virtual team? I know I, you're thinking you want to say anything. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, obviously, I just want to say everything. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think it's really, uh, it depends on the business, you know. It depends on what you're wanting them to do because we, we really tailor our recruiting efforts to what you want. So if you want, you know, business development, then we go into that marketplace and recruit for that. The we, you know, the behavioral test that we send is geared towards business development. If you're just wanting some, a transaction coordinator, someone that's just, you know, punching buttons all day, then we look for somebody that does really well with monotonous tasks all yeah. day long, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, so you're pretty adamant about a personality test up front. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We, we, the, we the do job. not believe one size fits all at all. And, at all. And I'll give you another example of that that just it just happened this week where um, somebody that wanted a, vir- a new virtual employee that wanted somebody that was good on the phone, good at sales, persuasive, and then wanted them to to have good follow up skills, very detailed, analytical. Da, da, da. I'm like, um, that's a unicorn, you know. So <laughs> let's you know, that's two jobs, that's two people because you're not gonna have, you know, if you start understanding ba- behaviors and what you know uh, how people are made, yeah. you know yeah. that. A good, a great salesman is, I don't know if y'all know any great salesmen are good at paperwork. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, they're different tasks. Absolutely. Yeah, they're different tasks. So we help coach our clients through that thinking process because we've learned that for ourselves yeah. and still learning, you know, because we tried it and it just, every time we, we go against what we know is right, we, you know, it doesn't work. So one thing I found is our virtual team um, is actually better at repeatable tasks Mm-hmm. Um, than an American employee is. Uh, and I think a lot of that for us is is they're working from their homes. So the distractions are less. They're in a room, you know, whereas then if you go into our office, there's, you know, I'm sure your office the same way. There's people buzzing in and out, yeah. knocking on doors, coming in and out. Like they can stay focused. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Are most of your, so that's actually um, interesting. Would you say most of your virtual team is working from a ha- home? They're not in an office? 100%, right? That, correct. That's interesting. What, um, that's actually different than what I thought you were going to say. So, uh, um, and, and it, uh, I guess talking through the logic there of why that, as opposed to, I think conventional wisdom would say, let's get everybody in an office where there's good internet, you know, and there's a culture you can build there. Um, obviously there's huge pluses on the transportation side of someone just being able to just go into an well, office. And they gain that time back. It's no different than us working remote in America. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, and we found too, you know, it promotes higher engagement. I mean, people mm-hmm. are, helps us with recruiting, you know, because the culture, you know, specifically in the Philippines, and and I would argue also in India and Mexico is, hey, call center, big building, you know, cubicles, you know, you can hear a loud. lot of, loud, <laughs> a lot of noise in the background. You know, that's not the case for us. You know, we we have system requirements. They have to have yeah. good, you know solid internet and a backup and a backup to the backup. Um, and then they also have to have another location to go to in case the backup to the backup fails. Um, but it's, it, you know, the excuse of, oh, uh, I was late because of traffic or car broke down, you know, all that goes out the window. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, we had, that's something we learned. Like we had to upgrade the headset requirements and the internet speeds that they, you know, s- certain people were using. We, we had to standardize that. So, so that smart. I've heard some people tell me, one problem they've had with virtual assistants is, you know, internet mm-hmm. problems. And it's still an issue, but yeah, good or bad, we, we, we kind of learned the bad stuff on, you know, <laughs> on with, us, on yeah. us, you yeah. know, it's yeah, kind of like, first. That's yeah. right. We, we paid the tax first. And then, so and now you, so now other, and just to be super clear with our audience. So other real estate companies could come to you and say, I would like 
to find someone with this personality trait as a virtual assistant, uh, remote team member, and you'll basically find them for them. They'll be a core assist employee, but also be an employee of their whatever their their flipping company. Yeah, what's mm-hmm. that's right. What's interesting, we were my uh, business partner Douglas and I were talking about this the other day. Like, we actually have three competitors in Memphis that we are mm-hmm. supplying virtual employees for. So, in essence, we are making them better competitors. Which is, I had to get over that hump, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course it's its own, its own company, its own company and it's helping them get better, you know, and be more competitive to us. And we're okay with that. You yeah. know, that's, that's just capitalism. Have and, to be. Yeah. Have yeah to be. I mean, it's uh, the GE model, I think is, uh, that's right. who's really strong on that, which is, this is going to stand alone and that's has right. to stand alone. Has to stand alone. And, and yeah. um, it's just so awesome. Um, talk. So, uh, I mean, I feel like there's this elephant in the room. I just want to have to address, which is on the price side of things, what, Give me, and it's a good thing. Not, I mean, sometimes elephant in the room is a bad thing. This time is a good. What is your, you know, let's say someone is doing, you know, basic um, coordination of maintenance, for example. How, you know, how how does that price compare to a, a similar person in Tennessee, for example? Like, what's your different? What's your price savings that something you'd see by going virtual as opposed to in the in the U.S. At, at least half, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you, you, you eliminate the, um, like the straight cost, the hourly cost that we have is there's, there's no benefits or workers comp that that the the client has to pay for. Right. No holiday pay. It's just a straight dollar per hour cost. Yeah. And so it's much more predictable. Yeah. And much more uh, uh, measurable. Yeah. Than you know having an employee sit in your office with all the office costs, office costs, healthcare. Yeah, utility, no, no. All HR. That, HR, all that stuff. So yeah. that it it makes it a fixed cost. So yeah, that's right. That's we've seen in some instances, in some roles, we've seen double the output. So you half the cost and double the output. It's really like a equivalent to a four time investment. Yeah. If that makes sense. One way easier. Yeah, I mean, it's been um, life changing. But it also allows you. I'll tell you one more thing, and that maybe cut you off. But it also helps you pay more for your people in Memphis. Uh, right. Is that, right. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. we're not just all about saving the, the bottom line. It's like, you know, we, we're not, you know, we have the long term perspective in mind. So we'll pay up for the best talent we can find in the Memphis region to make our company even that much better for the yeah. long term. That makes sense. So you yeah, freed I mean, up dollars it, to right. do that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the uh, the price curve of talent. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's get someone doing the right task at the right place. And then the super high value person who has to be in a certain place, let's get the best. And Correct. Let's pay for the best. That's right. And, um, and, we, and that's, that's, it's taken a long, I mean, it's taken two years of grinding that out, but I think we're getting closer and closer every day of seeing that fulfilled and being have to go. I mean, you, I mean, you know that today's market, we're not, we're not hiring people that uh, are looking for jobs. We're having to go pluck them from other opportunities Yeah. and you have to pay up for that talent and that skill um, to match. So, Awesome guys. Um, I want to, uh, I, w- I want to hit one more thing before mm-hmm. I let you guys go. Um, first off, I just, I love what you guys are doing. Um, actually there, there's two parts. To this. The first part is, are you open? If someone's out there who has, you know, 25 units or they're doing four or five flips a year and they're thinking, man, I would love a like part-time virtual assistant. Does that exist? Or do you want it to be a 40 hour a week full-time role? I like how Dan's looking at me on <laughs> on this one. Um, we when we started, we offered full time. We're really trying to get away from that. Um, 
You offered part-time. part-time. But, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we offered part-time. Yeah, no. We, we're, now you we're, want it to be a full-time job. We, we want it to be a full-time because that's a better service for the client. So we talked earlier about um, loyalty and, you know, what happens when you're only giving 20 hours a week to this person and then someone else comes along willing to give 40. Well, which one are they going to pick? Right. You know, it's high turnover. And yeah. what we found is there's always 40 hours worth of work. There's always 40 hours. Right. And we'll help extract that and help craft that schedule and to where it's a value add for the client. Yeah. Um, what the model that we are going to for those that are just absolutely like, you know, you know, I only have 10, 15 hours, then that at that point becomes a task based service that the relationship's still there. We'll still help you craft that. But now you're paying just a rate instead of 15, 20 hours. Yeah. That's great. And I, w- I want to add on that just for those that are trying to figure out that 20 hour versus 40 hour and how to go over that hump. Think about the stuff that you hate doing. That's where I start, you know, like to get, I mean, if you could just say like, like me, I hate being on the phone. So if I could hire somebody just to take all my phone calls, you know what I mean? Like someone you, could spend 40 hours just organizing my email. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I'm not the only one out there like that. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's, where I'm, that's what I'm saying. You would create, for, to, to Russell's point, you'd create 40 hours worth of work that you got to say, what what is your time worth? Yeah, that yeah. frees you up to double down on what you love to do. That's where I'm trying to, see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. not just getting some tasks done, but freeing you up to double down yeah, on, no, on I, your I passion totally and your drive. Yeah, and, and not just you, good. but your best people. That's right. Right. You want your best people doing the most, the most high value tasks. Yep. Um, okay. And then what I want to, what I want to finish with here is, you know, we're super into the, the future real estate. I think, I mean, this is this is where the world's going. There's n- literally no question in my mind. It allows companies to scale faster and will allow companies to, I think real estate is moving towards less small local mom and pops mm-hmm. and more scaled uh, enterprise level companies. I and mean, you guys are obviously one of them, but I, I see this is where the world's going. How do you, where do you guys see the world going? Like talking through the next two, three, four years in kind of the, you know, real, you know, virtual assistant world, but other things too. Like what, what's top of mind for you of, of you, you know, where do you see things headed to? That's a very broad question. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're going to, what you mentioned earlier, I think you're going to see consolidation. Um, I don't have a crystal ball with like the private equity that are buying a lot of this, the real estate and what they're going to do. I mean, I think that, that we got to be prepared to compete against that. So, to your point, we've got to get, you know, us that are doing property management and real estate have to got to be that much stronger to compete against the bigger boys. Right. I mean, I mean Zillow is a competitor on the buy side. That's right. And by the way, no, I mean, people Who knew that, crazy. Yeah, they knew that. They knew they were going to do that years ago. Right. But people know? still won't believe me. They still will say Zillow's not going to make it. Like, Oh, man, they'll make it. Yeah. I mean, they just got so much money behind them. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I love what you're saying, which is, if you're in real estate, realizing you're going to have to compete against the private equities, the Zillows of the yeah. world. And to do that, you probably you're doing what you're use, best yeah. at, but then getting other other skills out to maybe virtual folks. Yeah, virtual or third party, whatever that looks like. But yeah, just focusing on what you're the best at, you know, and I think, you know, I think you've got to zone in on um, who you want. I mean, you got to have that vision of where you want to take something. I, I think in the real estate world, you can see this word, this you're chasing a shiny object and I see so many people trying to do 10 things at once. You know, we were buying hold investors for 10 years. That's all we did. And that's why we have the units we have. Like we didn't look at doing property management or maintenance or anything else. Like 
and then you start adding layers. So I think people got to get focused, you know, in the coming years and months just to, to get really good at what they're doing and whether that means technology, whether that means virtual employees, whatever that means, you know, you got to utilize those, those capabilities. And I would just say, you know, I see margins getting harder to obtain. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's going to force everyone to look at their efficiency. And so as margins decrease and efficiency has to increase. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I couldn't literally couldn't agree more. Uh, This is awesome guys. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. How can people reach out about Cortisys? They want to get to know you guys better pick your brains, um, maybe hire a virtual assistant. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, uh, course, uh, is a great way. There, there's a contact us on there. Uh, you can also reach out to our director of ops. Her name's Catherine DeVore and it's just, uh, Catherine C A T H E R I N E dot DeVore D E V O R E at course.com. Yeah. And just, if you want to reach out to one of us to talk about real estate in general or anything we can, you know, help, you know, I truly believe we've been blessed to be coached and mentored by others. So if we can help in any way, like you'll reach, reach out to me, Dan at 6amcc.com. That's the number 6amcc.com. Cool. Dan and Russell, dude, it's awesome guys. Yeah, thanks for having Super us. Super cool company. You. Uh, if you, if you think you're moving fast, 900 units they own, manage 3,000, Corus's company, you got to move faster because there's a bigger world out there. Um, but I love their approach to it, which was super just, man, uh, focus on what you're good at and then expand over time. So it's awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. All See right. ya. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.